I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport, 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Good afternoon, good morning, or perhaps good evening, and welcome back to the Roker Report podcast, where we have a very special edition of the show. Although, when you think about it, they're getting more and more periodic, they're getting more and more routine. We have back in the <laughs> studio with us, Sunderland owner, Stuart Donald. How are you doing, Stuart? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Now, Stuart, I understand that you're a trustee of the Foundation of Light, and we have with us as well in the studio today, Phil, who's um, the commercial director of the Foundation. Now, I understand, Phil, that we've got, or that you've got, rather, an initiative that you're pushing for the remaining games this season based around the Foundation, especially in the Doncaster game. Could you tell us, perhaps, a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So, so every season, uh, the club essentially grants us one match of the season, which is our Foundation match day. And this season, it's the Doncaster game on Good Friday. So from our point of view, it's trying to raise as much awareness of, of who we are, what we do, and, and how we how, how the fan base can benefit and how they can get engaged with the foundation through some of our programmes. Um, but it's also about raising funds as well. So mm-hmm. we're a charity. We, we fundraise £4 million every year. Um, so the campaign in the lead up to Doncaster is to try and raise £30,000 um, specifically to support some of our mental health projects, which we deliver. So we deliver a lot out in the community across Sunderland, South Tyneside and Durham, but based at the Beacon of Light in Sunderland as well, around sport, health, education, employability. Um, so we touch on a lot of people. We work with around about 40,000 people every year, and it's, it's Sunderland fans, you know, and and, uh, and it's, we're, I guess, the face of the football club in the in the community, kind of Monday to Friday, if you like. And in this campaign, we're asking fans to to give a quid or a few more quid if, if, if they can. Um, hoping to get over thirty thousand attendance, so by that by that means thirty thousand um, pound, and it goes a long way. It helps us support uh, what we do in terms of our delivery, but but get out there and, and do a bit more with the fan base as well. Fantastic, and I suppose as well, Stuart, this would be something that'll be at the forefront of your immediate plans. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not sure how many fans know the detail of what goes on, if you like, at the foundation, and it's something that the city. And the football club, and the, and and everyone involved should be very proud of. If you actually can get over there and have a look at what the courses that they do and the the interaction 
um, that they have and, and, and the reach and the touch within the community. It's, it's absolutely fantastic and it's, it's, it's money well spent. And as a community football club, it's exactly what the football club should, should be aspiring to because it connects with the entire community and the work there is, it is fantastic. I mean, but you know, Bob got me involved and, you know, you wander around there and you see the facility and then you see that the impact it can have on every aspect of, if you like, the community in Sunderland from, you know, young kids that may be struggling in certain areas to, you know, people trying to sort of um, learn different skill sets and, um, you know, people that just may have sort of mental issues or, or, or whatever it is uh, and, and need help. Then it's a fantastic vehicle to get involved in and actually it benefits the community so much that I, I think if the fans have... 10, 15 minutes spare, they want to get on the website, you know, have a few Google searches and have a look at what they do. And it's something that I think the city should be very proud of. And it's fantastic to be involved. But the thing with it is when you see the work that goes on, there's an awful lot more that can be done. And the important thing is, you know, you do need to raise funds for these things. And I think one of the biggest thing when you try and raise funds for charities is, is the money spent well and what does it go towards? And I think when people give money to this charity and you see what they do, it really is sort of money well spent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Phil. Um, thank you very much for helping us get the word out there. Great. Thanks. Good stuff. So, Stuart Donald, how have you been? All right. You're good. Busy. Always busy. Yeah. But, um, th- this football club would keep me busy if um, uh, there were 20 days in a week. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we garnered some questions um, via our media arms on Facebook, Twitter, uh, ready to go. So, we've got a whole load of those questions for you today. But just to sort of ease us into it, tell me how... <laughs> it's been for you recently, supporting Sunderland. How has Wembley been for you, Charlie and Juan? How was that? Well, Wembley was fantastic other than, you know, obviously other than the obvious, which was the result, especially because you just, you felt, you know, 10 minutes to go, you, your mind starts to just wander a little bit and then it was it was taken from us. And I, I don't think you can argue with the result, but penalties is penalties. But mm-hmm. after the game, when I, I saw quite a few Sunderland fans in the hotel and they were enjoying themselves. It was like they'd won. But you just got a sense of, you know, and they said, well, you know, don't worry. We got here. It's great. We're happy with the club. And you think, no, we, we got to go to places like that and win. That's what you want for, for the fans. So it was tinged with disappointment because I think having been through what the Sutherland fans have been through, it would have been absolutely lovely to deliver a, mm-hmm. a, a cup for them. And we couldn't do it. And that that was disappointing. But the whole weekend was was fantastic. You know, I got down to... Trafalgar and, yes. and um, you know I tried to float around the edge of it and he, even around the edge of it it was just special so I think a lot of people enjoyed the weekend and it was great to sort of feel that we're you know winning more games than we're losing and, and, and they're things to look forward to but just just that frustration we couldn't quite get there mm-hmm. It's interesting you say there Stuart that you were floating around the edges of Trafalgar because um, uh, your colleague Juan um, <laughs> was doing anything but he was right right in the mixer from what we saw Yeah I went to Covent Garden and it was it was manic so uh, I, I left there and w- wandered down to Trafalgar and Juan had flown over and was with Charlie and they said you know we're going to be there in about 20 minutes so I stayed around the top and had some photos and as soon as Juan and Charlie got there they were they were keen to get right in the middle of it and, <laughs> and savour it, and they did that. Obviously, there's pictures of Juan being carried around, and after about 10 minutes of being in there, you know, I, I'd had a lot of pictures and a, a, a lot of photos, which was fine, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to get back and leave them to it, and I think I think they uh, they made the most of it and enjoyed it. So, And you want to see that. You know, we, we all work hard for it, but, but we're football fans, and if you can't enjoy 
that experience, mm-hmm. there's not much point having the club. You, you, you know, that's that's what you want to do. So, Absolutely. you know, I'm, ple- I'm pleased they enjoyed it and they did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. When you work as hard as you do to get the club to where it is, I think it's only right that you reap the rewards. You know, if you've worked as hard as you have and as part of that prize is that week away at Wembley. And, and what you say as well there, you said that you felt a sense of perhaps disappointment that you couldn't maybe give the Sunderland fans the cup final victory that, yeah. that, that they perhaps would have would have really been up for on the day but after those run of games after say we come away from Wembley obviously we go on to beat Accrington Stanley 3-0 only a few days later and then we follow yeah. that up with a 2-1 win away to Rochdale how do you feel about that how, how are your feelings towards the Sunderland fans for that do you feel uh, like you've perhaps made it up to them somewhat if you were feeling perhaps no, no. I don't feel I've made it up to them and, 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 and it's not me in that sense I mean it, it's, the, it's, it's the players and Jack and you feel for them as well because I think they really wanted to to deliver and, and of course I saw the lads come up at Wembley and, and shook their hands and you could mm. see the pain in a few of their faces well you see it in all of them but but really you, you know it, it hit home and I think they were disappointed with that but we do know that probably given the choice of the two options of promotion versus a Wembley win then I think the club and the support feel that probably promotion is more important and we feel ready for for promotion albeit there's been a lot of upheaval so you know you, you go on to the the game to Accrington and you think blimey we've played extra time I know we've got a, a decent squad but how are they going to deal with it mentally it, it, it was a disappointment you know we've got a lot of games in a short period of time it's an away game you know we could lose the momentum here but if we win a couple we can gain the momentum so Accrington for me felt like a huge game and I was worried about it unlike the others because I phoned Lee Catamol after after the Wembley game to check that he was okay and you know I had an exchange with George Honeyman and they and they were right up for it so Class. that you know it, it was it was me as a fan rather than than the player so you know I was confident in them that they'd approach it right and I knew Jack would have them right but to win the two games um, both away games both difficult in their own way you know um, Accrington's never easy the pitch wasn't great Rochdale are going to be fighting for their lives and then the manner of the wins I'm very proud of that. All the players and, and Jack should be proud of that because I think that's that's a good achievement for them. And we've put ourselves in the box seat, so now we've we've got you know five six games to to deliver, mm-hmm. and um, that feels good. But I'm still disappointed that you know when I wander around Wembley and saw all those people and all the nice things that they're saying and how pleased they are to be there for the weekend that I just couldn't give for them that that the you know the icing mm-hmm. on the cake and that that all that that, that disappointment will stay you know always but if we if we can just achieve our other goal of this season then I think um, you know yeah. <laughs> that'll make it a lot easier yeah I mean obviously no Sunderland fan I think is under the illusion that the Checker Trade Trophy is more meaningful than promotion would be no. however it's achieved that is the oh, that that was from the get go the ultimate aim of the season yeah. and I, I mean I speak on behalf of all the Sunderland fans when I say that you Charlie Wan they've done so much for the club and we are they are we are still grateful for the day out regardless but Coming more on the promotion now, coming onto that maybe squarely, let's have a talk about what the sort of transfer policy, what the money to spend would be, because that's something that a lot of fans want to know. They want to know sort of where we're going to be next season financially, regardless of where we do end up. So let's say, entirely hypothetical, yeah. let's say we don't go up this season. Don't think it'll happen, but you know, let, let's say that somehow we don't get promoted. How will the team be better equipped next year to tackle promotion and then perhaps achieve it so what would be done differently that was that what wasn't if we're done? in League One yeah mean? basically if um, we're in League One next season how do we approach it I'm not sure we need I mean this season was huge wholesale changes I'm not sure we'll need that I mean 
it's likely that if we didn't manage to go up, it's likely that we would ordinarily have gone up because our points tally, I think if you get to 90 plus, and we look like we'll probably get to 90, that would say to me the team isn't that far away. You know, and, and Jack has come in and, and had a very short summer to sort of deal with things, throw it all together. What I would hope he's building on is a much more solid foundation for League One than he had. So I don't think we need to do an awful lot. Again, you know, the, the, the football club is in a position, if you're in League One, where teams are having two, three, four, five million pound playing budgets. I think we think next year with the contract to players that we would have, before we start the season, our League One wage bill is well in excess of 10, nearer 15. So financially, we're spending way, way more than we should have to to compete in League One. And a lot of that was still historical because there's not that many players out of contract this season. So we're still sort of on quite a lot of championship-style contracts playing in League One. So um, there'd still be some challenges in the summer. The good news is we've got the parachute payment in its entirety for next season, um, which isn't as much as previous seasons, but it's enough to make sure that um, we're all right. But, But I think we would expect next year from a much more solid base if we didn't achieve it this year for us to be to be right up there and Jack will just have to you know I suppose what I'm saying is there'd be more tinkering than yeah. wholesale changes I'm sure Jack from the solid base that he's got wouldn't hopefully have to do too much I mean we'd have a team that has got around 90 points we'd only have to get 10 more points to have 100 you you could make an argument in certain games if you know, there's there's always that if we had had a bit more luck or if, you know, you can argue it the other way, I'm sure. But it's not inconceivable this season we could have ended up with 100 points. So I don't think we're that far away from having the best team in League One. Yeah, and what you say there about championship contracts as well, I'd like to draw on. How likely would it be that, let's say, big earners like Oviedo, Magidi and Catamol would stay if we don't go up? And even if we were to go up, would there be any alterations made to their contracts or would they be perhaps be moved on regardless of where we are? Well, that's for Jack and, and Jack and Tony and, and, and Richard have had those conversations between them. Obviously, when we're talking about the squad, it is a little bit up in the air because we don't know yet what league we'll be in. And that alters their thought processes with regards to recruitment and, um, if you like, maybe moving one or two players on or one or two players having a desire to move on if we're not in the, the relevant league. So we're not in a situation yet, probably for about another couple of weeks, where we'll know for sure. Mm-hmm. The only thing I suppose you know what we say on that is, it is likely that we're still Jack is is still going to have quite a large part of his budget pre-spent, and depending on what league we're in, you know that might give us more work to do in the summer mm-hmm. than 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 not, and we'll have to see if you like, which league we're in before we know. You know, we've, we've drawn up what our, I think our starting wage bill at the moment in League One for next season, we've got about £14 million worth of contracted players. And because of, if you like, the, the clauses in their contract, if we get promoted, that's £18 million before we sign a player. Now, that's above our break-even point. And and that will lead us on to a wider conversation about all the options that we have potentially to try and increase our budget. Um, I don't think we need that in League One because the parachute payments will be fine. Mm-hmm. If we've got 18 million pre-spent in the championship and that means we're running at a loss, the challenge for us is going to be how do we give Jack more funds, how do we inject more money in so that we can still wheel and deal in, in the market. 
because actually 18 million playing budget in the championship, you, you'd expect to do quite well in that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some teams doing qu- quite well in that. Um, and I know that the bottom end teams is not so not so great, but you know, when you're hearing that, you know, in the papers it's saying, you know, QPR expect to take their budget down to 11 million next year and you, you, you look at what some of the teams were spending and it's becoming harder to spend because of the rules now. You can't just throw money in. You have to try and create a sustainable model, which is quite good for teams like Sunderland because if you if you take away artificial investment, Sunderland is naturally a huge club in the championship, so therefore it, it, it gives it more of an advantage if you can make it as successful as you can and, and, and build those revenue bases. But that's the challenge for us if we get in the championship. I think in, in League One, we're fine. But I think, you know, having eighteen million pounds pre spent for you as you go into the championship, that 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 is an issue because it's substantial. Teams teams that have gone up before, you know, teams are going up with a budget of six, seven million of the, the the sort of biggest teams. So they're probably going into the championship with, you know, a, a playing budget contracted wise of, of that sort of figure, I would imagine. We're we're going up having ten million pounds more than that already committed. Mm-hmm. And if Jack then turns around and says, well, you know, I want two strikers, I want two midfielders, I want two centre-halves, I want two full-backs or whatever it is, all of a sudden, where's that budget going? Well, if we went up like most other clubs with a budget of six or seven million pre-spent, that makes it much easier. So I am expecting quite a busy summer again. Mm -hmm. I'd Um, imagine so. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that takes us. But a lot of that is going to be defined on... Mm-hmm. on how we do over these next four games because we have different challenges depending on mm. what what league we're in. Right. Um, and I'm sure you'll ask me about it in due course, but one of the things we've got to do for the football club, I think, is find a way where we get about another £10 million annually into the football club so mm. that as and when at some point this football club gets into the championship, we are able to compete in a way like we've competed this year right at the top end of the table, mm-hmm. knowing that we've got the right financial firepower to do that. But the championship is full of clubs that have not spent money well. And those that have spent well haven't particularly had anywhere near the biggest budgets. And Sunderland's a prime example of that. I mean, on, on Sunderland's budget last season to finish and get relegated, I mean, that, that there were clubs that stayed up with half that money spent. So um, the challenge for us not only is making sure that we we give Jack the maximum financial firepower, it's also ensuring we get really good value for money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't interesting otherwise. I'll tell you. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So I suppose there's a question, Stuart. Let's say the club's senior staff and administration, if they are to stay where they are now, is it a foregone conclusion that Jack Ross would need to sell before he can buy, if he is to bring in any new targets? for Championship Sunderland next season? No, I don't think it's a full conclusion. He, he'll have to he'll have to sell before he can buy. Mm-hmm. But what we won't be able to do, I don't think, is go out and sign. And and if if you look at it logically, we couldn't. We can't go out and sign 10 players. We've no. already got, I don't know. I, I mean, I know if you take the loan signings back, we've still got four centre-halves next season. We've got four midfielders. We've got, you know, if we, if we go and sign four midfielders and have eight, no, I mean, th- there's got to be a, a, a level of common sense. Mm-hmm. If... Jack said to me, I want to sign three new midfielders. I'd be saying, okay, well, which ones are leaving then? 
Um, and on, you know, and he might well turn around and say he's happy with all his midfielders, so that might not be a conversation. Or he might turn around and say, I want three new centre halves, and I'll say, okay, well, we've already got four. So, you know, what team goes into the championship from League One with seven centre halves? Mm. You, you don't do it. So naturally, you know, one one of the things is we've got quite a big squad anyway, with not a lot of players out of contract. So if the judgment call from Jack and Tony Richard is we want to sign. Or let, let's say 10 players the conversation will come back and say well we're not running with that many players so you know we'll have to do some wheeling and dealing mm. so we will have to wheel and deal I'm sure but I don't think we'll be in a position where if Jack says to me I want this player we can say well you can't have him till so and so's gone um, and that was a bit like this summer we signed players if you like well before we, we were certain that Kone was going and Dong was going, uh, Rodwell was going. We took the view that there was about 10 players to go or, or whatever the figure was. But we didn't say to Jack he can't sign anybody. We accepted that there would be a jigsaw and over the period of time we, we would get that right. Mm-hmm. And I think potentially next season or, or this summer could be a jigsaw again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... D- what whilst we only want to look forward now, you have to remember that we we've had one summer transfer window, and there was quite a lot to change, and you you can't do it all sometimes, just in one or maybe two transfer windows. As much as we would all like to, it might take three or four just to get exactly what what Jack wants. Mm-hmm. So. I suppose then it won't be as systematic as the significant purchase of a player requires the significant selling of a player of corresponding value. It could just be a case of that players will come and go yeah. if necessary, but it'll fit. And as you say, like a jigsaw, it'll yeah. fit. It'll, it'll just it'll it'll fit, and then the finished article yeah. will be there come September I, or come. I think so. Just like it was this year, if Jack sort of signs three players for argument's sake, I might turn around and say to him, "Well, you know, with three in, no one's out. We we need to hold on a second. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, last summer didn't materialise like that. And, and and in lots of ways as well, you're going to have conversations with players at, at the end of the season. You know, one or two have been signed and haven't featured that much. And, and, you know, there might be a conversation. And I don't know exactly, but the three guys I've met, they're, they're going to sort of see me this week. But again, that's initial because until we have finished, although they've got targets and, and this, that and the other, until we know what league we're in, there's no point, you know, really going hammer and tong at it. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, we'll then turn around and this will be Jack's, uh, you know, these are the players signed, this is the retained list I want, these are the positions I want to strengthen, fine. So it will be, right, well, we, we need to talk to these players then and, and and we need to, you know, try and bring some in. And that will be a jigsaw, but it, it won't be as black and white as you've just got rid of somebody on, you know, I don't know, £20,000 a week, you've now got £15,000 a week to spend. We, we'll, we'll have to... You know, we we can't jeopardise the signing of players. We'll have to make a judgment call. Yeah. I presume I can't name any names here, quite rightly, but are there players that perhaps Jack Ross has identified or have come forward themselves and are perhaps reluctant or have reservations about being here next season? No, but I think there is an underlying thing, as there always is as it gets towards the end of the season and players look look at things. They analyse how much they've played. And, I, I, and, and I'm just working on common sense. If you've got a squad and, and there are a few players that were either here before or or haven't been or, or players that come back from injury that might fit in and then knock someone down the pecking order, all footballers really want to play football. 
And when you get to the summer and some of these players have got one year left, their natural conversation is going to be, well, I want to extend my contract. Am I going to play? Well, no, you're not going to play very much. All right, well, I need to get a longer contract, so I'll, I'll have a look somewhere else. And I would imagine there is going to be some of those conversations because as I look at the squad, if I was one or two of those footballers, I'd be saying to myself, well, I haven't played very much. I'm fourth choice in this area. Uh, you know, if we got promoted and I'm a fourth choice League One player in my position, how likely is it if we get in the championship and Jack wants to sign two players in that position, how likely is it that I'm going to go from fourth choice to getting a game? Well, I'm probably not going to get a game. I've got one year left on my deal. I need longer security than that. We need to have a conversation. And I think there, there will be some of those without doubt mm-hmm. because common sense just tells you that's bound to happen. And were not other specifics yet at such a crucial time in the season at turning around and having those conversations. Every focus at the moment is on trying to get the right result over the last four games. And then I would imagine, or five games, and then it, I would imagine it'll be hell for the leather in the last week where we turn around and go, right, this is what we've got. The players, you know, Jack will have his own idea to talk to maybe a couple of players and I expect a few players might have ideas to come and have a conversation. Um, exercise options on contracts or not. I would imagine the last, if you like, the first 10 days after the end of the season are going to be pretty manic within mm. our within our squad. Everyone's going to want to know where they stand, aren't they? Yeah, of course. So there's another thing, Stuart. Um, if we do go up this season, what is the ambition for next season? Well, the first thing we're going to have to do, and we've been working on that for the last few months, is work out how much financial firepower we can give ourselves. But but we don't we don't want to go up and play for mid table or this that and that. You want you want to go up and feel that you can get into the top six. You want to feel that you know the fans want to feel it. I want to feel it as an owner. Jack wants it as a manager. The players will want it. You want to feel that when you're going up. As a club like Sunderland, we should expect to be at the right end of the league. Now, we're going to go up, if we go up, with a lot of work to do. But we had a lot of work to do this summer, and we managed to be at the right end of the league. It's bound to be more challenging in the Championship because there are bigger clubs with bigger budgets and more settled, etc. So we're going to come up, if you like, with a, with, with a bit to do. And so that's going to be a challenge. But we, but, but, but you either want that challenge or you don't want to go up. Hmm. So it won't be easy um, and it will be a tough summer and it will depend how we do in the summer. But if you ask me if we get promoted, what should we aim for as a football club? We should aim, I think, uh, like this season, to try and be in the top six. But I might have to turn around in August and, and say the summer hasn't quite panned out the way we want, so top six is going to be really tough. Or I might be able to turn around and say, we've got all the targets that Jack wanted, he's confident about what he's doing, and really, guys, you know, we, we feel in good shape here. So might it be a case of shooting for the moon, and if you miss that, at least land in the stars kind of a yeah. thing? So uh, go for yeah. the top six. If we don't yeah. quite get the top six, we would ideally want to be in the top half, yeah. or there or thereabouts. But what we don't want to do, and what, what, we, won't, what we won't do, because it won't, wouldn't be fair on Jack in whatever league we are in, we are not going to sit there and and say to Jack and give the impression to the fans that we think that we should be top six because the easiest thing in the world to say. But actually, when it comes to it, we've had a difficult summer and we haven't been able to manoeuvre the players as we want or get the targets in. And, and actually, you know, Jack Ross has ended up with a, I don't know, 
fourteenth best budget in in the in the league. So therefore, actually getting eighth is is quite a good achievement on a financial basis. And where we you know we're not going to turn around and say, well, you know, we've backed Jack Ross to the hilt if we haven't. But it's uh, it's going to be an interesting summer mm-hmm. because um, you know last summer was was frantic and moving it all around. This summer re- requires us to be really really clever. I think. Yeah. So is it safe to say that surviving relegation is not an ambition in any sense of the word? Well, as um, just... it, it's it's a it's a absolutely that's got to happen. But yeah. I don't. I, we will not play for twentieth, um, eighteenth spot. No, we, we will gear ourselves up to have the best possible go that we can. Mm-hmm. And if we feel that um, you know we were quite open this year, I, I, you, you know, we thought playoffs would be a sensible aim. Bear in mind, we didn't really know what we had. And if we could get automatic, we we thought that would be not over overachievement, it, it, but 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 I think not far off it. To be fair, and I think as the season starts next year, we'll tell you what we expect based on the summer that we've had. But mm-hmm. we have got a lot to do this summer. Yeah, you know the club's safe; it's fi- it's financially safe. But there's a big difference between being safe and going up and having a year of consolidation versus being able to do everything we want to do in the summer to really gear ourselves up and have a go. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, we'll keep the fans informed as to how we think the summer has gone so that, you know, we can say to them, this is how we feel coming into the season. And I think that's only fair to do that so that we don't over-egg expectations or, or under-egg them. And it's also only fair on, on, on the management team. Um, but you've got an ambitious manager and you've got ambitious owners. So we're going to be ambitious. But it's hard. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really good to hear. Well, irrespective of what league we're going to be in next season, irrespective of how the summer goes, have there been any plans for pre-season already put in place? Thinking about, say, friendlies, things of the like. Yes. Have anything been... Have they? Yes. Tremendous. Would we, you? I, we're going to have um, one home pre-season friendly, I believe. A couple away and a tour. Nice. Um, and I think we are pretty much finalised on 80% of that. We, we've we've organised the tour, but it just needs to be announced. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were just finalising some opposition. Because, you know, ag- again, last season, I, I think the, the, the pre-season tour was, or was good, the pre-season going away was good. But there's no games for the fans to go and watch. No. And, and that doesn't... I mean, it's a great way to bond. It's a it's a it's a great feeling uh, uh, to get away. I think and and go and follow your team in Portugal or Spain or wherever it is. And um, so I think we wanted two games. Um, uh, you know, going away again for the same period of time. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty much done. And I think that will be announced in in the very near future. So I don't suppose you could divulge here any of the names of any clubs we could play or the location there or thereabouts will be. Uh, well, one of the things that that I was asked is if we could just try and, you know, let the fans know somehow before all the tour operators where we were going, hmm. because I think you know one of the things that the fans said to me was that as soon as our pre-season tours announced, um, the prices for everything go up. So um, we're just looking at how we can how we can give everybody the nod and the wink, if you like, yeah. so that they can book all their flights and hotels before, right. um, you, you know, the, 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 the mickey gets taken out of them over the pricing because they know suddenly, you know, 500, 1,000, 2,000 Sunderland fans are going to descend on on that area. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to try and get it out qu- 
quietly, I think, first, and then mm-hmm. within a couple of days we should announce. I understand, yeah, so it, it yeah. perhaps will be a fairly subtle nod towards where we could be, but that'll all come in due time. Yeah. Yeah, so it won't be anything like you coming here and saying, now, right, guys, we yeah. won't tell you, but it, it rhymes with Mortugal. So, yeah, yeah. there's your heads yeah. up. Yeah. Nothing like that. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. So... Thinking more back towards um, players now, something that yeah. I think a lot of like like that was a very big question that only one person asked, but one of the crucial sort of like common themes among the questions that we sort of garnered from social media were questions surrounding contracts of players. Yeah. So I'm going to get what I think might be an obvious one out of the way. Lamine Corne, it's it's yeah. rather strange for me to think that he's still technically a Sunderland player yes, is, when, yeah. the, when the identity of the club is a million miles away from the era he represents almost to a lot yeah. of fans. I presume... He's at the door as soon as possible? or Well, I, uh, based on the conversations that we've had with him and we're in constant dialogue, mm-hmm. um, the club he's at have got an option that they can exercise if they want to, to keep him for a, for a fee. Mm-hmm. We believe that's likely. If that doesn't happen, based on what we're being told and how we feel, mm-hmm. I think he'll find another club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be amazed um, in, in lots of ways if, if you see... Lamine back here in yeah. a, a Sunderland shirt. I think f- from his own perspective as a family, and and you know to be fair to him, he came and he trained. And he was honourable. Yeah, I got I got no issue whatsoever with him. Mm-hmm. I think just with his stage of life or whatever, he wants to go back and play in France. That fits for us, and although it's a loan deal, I think the situation will be the same come the summer that he will want to go back and play in France, and mm-hmm. we will say that's a good idea. Yeah. I think many Sunderland fans will be quite surprised if we did play again, just for the myriad of reasons that you've just said, really. Yeah. But um, perhaps coming on to the more pressing matters with contracts that people have been concerned about is we've had plenty of questions surrounding the contract situations of Denver Hume, yeah. Elliot Embleton, Benji Kimpyoga. Yeah. What can you tell us about these? They've all been offered contracts. We've got verbal agreements that they'll sign, then the, the, the detail has changed. To that, when I say the detail has changed, you, you know the yes or sign's gone to a well, you know, bit bit of a detail could change, please. And like all the fans, I'm the same. You know, we lost Josh. Um, we don't want to lose any of these three lads. We've given them contract offers. They're decent offers, and we've said, look, if if there's anything not quite where it needs to be, we'll try and iron it out and get them done. My instinct is that. Denver and and Elliot, I would I would very much hope that they would sign um, and sign quickly. Benji Kimpioka, we've put a, a deal to him. His agent is more difficult, but I've had a very straightforward conversation, which is a conversation that I've had with the entire staff. That you know, in Denver and Elliot's case, this is a, a contract renewal, so therefore they either sign. And, and we get a new contract and they want to be here or they don't but I hope that they will with Benji he's currently got a contract and another year to run and I don't want another Josh Madger scenario at this football club and I'd be strung up and, and rightly so because if he got into the first team and 
January comes along and he's he's done well like Josh had done, and he's got six months left to his contract, we'd expose ourselves again having promoted him. So I said uh, about Benji and a couple of others that were in contract negotiations where they've got one year left, that they need to commit their future to the football club. Mm-hmm. And I've said to Jack and I've said to staff, if they don't commit, you're not allowed to play them. I said, I don't want players that won't commit their future if we feel that we are being fair with them with regards to the offers. So we feel in Benji's case, we made him a good offer. So Benji has got to sign a new contract for us. Or I, I don't really see how we can we can play him. Because what what he's saying is, I, I don't want to commit my future to the football club, having only played a, a few games. And I hope that he turns around and appreciates that Sunderland should be a great place for him to play football. We've offering him a, a, a good deal. We want him to stay at the football club long term. But if he won't commit to that, uh, and we're all, uh, you know, negotiation behind the scenes, but if, if we fundamentally get to a place where he says yes, he'll sign, then great. If he says no... Um, I might be out of touch here, but I don't think we want to play young players in our team that won't commit their future to us. Because if they don't want to be at Sunderland that badly, why should we for six months push their career on so that they can benefit from all the years' hard work that we've put into them? Mm -hmm. So um, there are Elliot and Denver, who I'm hopeful will, will be done very shortly, and then you've got half a dozen young lads, of which Benji is probably the most high profile, that have had contract offers to extend their contracts because we don't want them running into the last year. And the way the football club is now, they've got a decision to make. If they won't commit to us, these six lads, they're, they're not getting near our first team. No, they're, They can go out on loan for a year and play somewhere else and you know, we'll then give them an offer and try and protect ourselves at tribunal. That's not what we want. What we want is a culture here where young lads with a year left to run on their contract are over the moon that we've offered them a deal, that offers them a deal that, as they play more, extends, um, and as they become successful, they're rewarded. That's what you get in normal business. You know, um, if you work hard somewhere, you get pay rises, you do well, and as a footballer, I think if you're good enough to get in our first team as as a young lad and you play some games, you should be rewarded with a contract extension and extra money as that goes along. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want that, you don't want to be here, do you? So no. they won't play. On top of, if you like, the the stuff we've got to sort in the summer for Jack to give him that biggest budget, we've got a, two jobs in the academy in the sense of we've got to get that model right and that commitment level right. We've got to structure the contracts a, a, a little bit better and we've got to get a real commitment from these youngsters that if they're going to get in our first team, they do well, but we're protected. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds to me like a crucial part of the club's ethos and the club's contract policy going forward. So thinking perhaps in that in that vein of thought, with everything off the field with Sunderland, thinking mainly about transfer targets, obviously we can never name any names with stuff like this. Do you have any transfer targets in or around the pipeline? Or yeah, does, uh, does Jack Ross? Yeah, initially what we did was rip, rip the scouting back with Tony coming in and then we had a conversation a few months ago and I said to Tony, right, now, you, you know, now we've done that, um, what, what do you need moving forward and what does the model need to look like? And he started going through the model. I said, just, just uh, you you and Jack organise it. So we've employed, you know, we, there's more employment now gone in in our scouting department to ensure that we're, if you like, fit for purpose to attract um, the right type of players and we're, and we're not missing out. So we've we've invested in back, back into, I mean, we ripped the scouting back to, to the bones 
and now and now we're reinvesting in it. So it'd be wrong to say we're spending more on scouting than than the, the day we walked in, but we have a different structure now, and we've reinvested in it to bring it back up to to being one whereby we can be, if you like, re- really on the front foot with regards to player recruitment. So again, they, there's lots of players, but there's one pool for League One and one pool for the Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be other players that come out from that, um, but you get the list of players that look like they're going to be released that are running down their contracts plus, you know, some talent. And, and it's quite far-reaching. There's lads that we're looking at in European countries and there's lads that we're looking at in this country. How much do the overseas transfer policies change depending on the contingency plan? So say, for example, if we get promoted, is there perhaps more of an eye on on overseas clubs and overseas players? Or if we were to stay in League One, touch wood, we don't, would we perhaps then look more locally? No, it doesn't make any difference. Right. Um, it, it makes no difference at all. We've We've put the structure in place to find the right type of players at the right value. And... It may affect the player's desire to come to us. We're talking to, uh, if you like, a couple of players at the moment that we've got connections with that were potentially looking at going into a Premier League team, but I think the feeling was they're not quite there, but they would be good, very good championship footballers. Are they uh, some abroad? Yeah, a couple of foreign lads. Now, where it may change for us is if we didn't go up, they might not want to come to League One. But it doesn't make us any less aware of them. It doesn't make us any less keen to to sign them. So, from that perspective, it doesn't change the policy, but it might change the the player's desire depending on what what level we're at. But we've got the structure in place for our recruitment, regardless of what division we're in. We're not going to spend more money on recruitment if we're in the Championship or in League One. We believe we're building the right model that's going to get us the right players. So we're we're just cracking on with that because again. When you're talking about spending money, you can spend an awful lot on wages, but recruitment is key. And if you can unearth some gems, but that means you're going to have to spend more on your scouting. So in 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 lots of ways, you better spend more on your scouting because it will save you more money on your play wages. Mm. And we've added a few bodies to our scouting, and we think yeah. that will that'll help us. Well, that was going to be a question, I suppose, is that will we look to recruit more scouts for the purpose of garnering more players? But as you've just we've said, done that. yeah, that that yeah. is that is something. Yeah, we did. We 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 agreed to do that a few months back in preparation for the summer. Right. And and I think January highlighted that for us. Jack doesn't particularly want a, what he perceived was a, a frantic January. And it, uh, um, if Netflix give a series two, you'll see it was pretty frantic. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that when, when we're in a position of going for players, we've got four or five players in each position. And if they say no, we can move on to the next one, etc. We, we don't want a, an 11th hour sort of situation. And we, we weren't 11th hour. But I think if Jack had a bit more of the structure we want and, and Tony had had a few more scouts, et cetera, et cetera, we might have had a few more options on the table for mm-hmm. us. So, you know, and, and that was, you know, fundamentally me ripping everything back, thinking let's rip it back and then we'll go again. Um, but we hadn't gone again for the January, but we've gone again for the summer. So speaking of bringing people into the club, I suppose this will be something that will be particularly relevant should we get promoted because we've spoken at length there about about the inflation of the wage budget and about how you would be operating yeah. above your break-even value if we yeah. were to go to 18 million. So as perhaps a way of maybe combating that, would you look at bringing in any more investors if Sunderland were a championship side come here? Would anyone else come aboard, I suppose, the, the senior management team? Uh, potentially. What I've done 
with Charlie and Juan is we've been working on, if you like, the other championship teams' models, specifically because we think we're, we're okay in League One. Um, but the championship to see what they're spending, to see how they're doing it, and we've tried to be quite thorough with that. And then we try to work out where we think we'll get the club to, as is, without investing. So what our, our basic break-even point is. The difficult thing with that is we haven't got there. So a little bit of it is guesswork. And a little bit of also in year one is the fact that we'll have quite a lot more money spent in year one. So we're not 100% sure when, when I sit here, are we going to need a 15 20 25 million pound budget and if we gave ourselves an extra year would we be able to spend less but get that correct model and of course we want the right type of player coming so it's not all about you know just offering top dollar and we had that in january when a striker said to us if you pay me double i'll come and the conversation finished straight away who was the striker uh it was a league one striker who scores a few goals uh, but, big lad? but um can't remember now <laughs> um, but I, I i didn't i didn't get that that we had some targets and richard called me and said this is how the conversation has gone and i've, I've just said to his agent we're not signing him no but we know that in the championship we might need to if you like um increase that budget beyond the level in honesty that i'll put in you know if we if we lose a couple of million pounds a year no issue but when you look at the championship, lots of teams seem to have scenarios where you might need to find an extra 10 million plus. So we got a big advantage. Ellis was great on the deal because, you know, our money's gone in as, as, as share capital. So no debt to us. Ellis has wiped his debt. So away we go. Yes, there was some some player trading, but, you know, we'll, we'll try and fund that through the parachute payments, selling players, etc., etc. So that over the period... One might have to put a bit of money in, but you can put it in and take it back as cash flow. So on that basis, we're sat here, if we get into the championship, with a football club, with all the facilities that we've got, completely debt-free. Fan base we've got. So how can we pull on those resources? Because you could get an investor comes in and says, well, I'll put £60 million in. But fundamentally, that'd be £60 million worth of debt. So would we be better to raise £30 million ourselves and, and spend it without any involvement? Maybe, but it's a bit more of a gamble and, and it puts the pressure on us to get it right. Can we raise the revenues by maximising the, the Netflix link, by doing stadium naming rights that we've had a look at? How much extra revenue can we build in? Would that be enough? Could we do um, something whereby, you know, the Academy of, of Light costs us X, so we, we raise a bond on that and then we, we fund it through the sale of players um, but it but it generates us some some extra revenue, and we've taken all of that out. You see, when when we're talking about investment, we don't count selling the players in the academy, so we budget not to sell any, and we don't count cut runs or anything else. So when I'm talking about do we need investment, we might not. There are ways that our revenue might go up if we if we really sort of um, leverage yeah. all the things, but we might, and we want a buffer. So then we talk about. Those options. So we've got the options of, of maybe raising some finance ourselves, maybe sort of um, throwing in with the fans a bit. Because I think one of the things about it is, you know, a lot of talk about selling the club. Juan might take a, a higher profile. He, he's just got to finish off, obviously, what, what he's doing in, in Uruguay there. But I don't think he's not averse to doing things. He loves the club. Um, he's very keen on it. He, he's very flexible. So there's the potential, you know, I could have a conversation with Juan and say, we think we need a bit more firepower. 
So that that's an option. And then it's the basis on which you do that. The other option that we talked about is maybe adding to one uh, an eye uh, as funding it and seeing if there's some appetite there. And that's really come up from people approaching us. Now, when you do that, what happens is people come out, but then it's exactly what they want. You know, what do they want for their investment? And the thing I think for the football club is it feels right at the moment. We don't want people putting money into the football club that treat it like a toy. It's not a toy. It's at the heart of the community and you feel that that's coming back. And we've worked really hard to, if you like, make it feel like that and actually make it like that. So we don't want to undo that good work by creating another unstable scenario whereby you might get, a, if you like, a, a, a foreign investor, for, for want of a better word, that, that, that wants a toy. We, we, so would we be interested in somebody coming in and helping us? Yes, if they're a football fan and yes, if the motives are right. You know, there was a local bid at the time that we got involved. Obviously, you don't get to know all the other, all the other bids. But, you know, there's lots of local people that have got the club at heart that might want to help us if we need a bit more fuel in the tank. And I think that's where we are. We want to get a bit more, if you like, fuel in the tank, just a little bit more financial firepower. But we don't want to turn the football club upside down again by coming in, having it for a year, sort of turning it and then then, then flipping it and, you know, giving it to somebody just because we know, you know, we know we've bought low. But as I've said before, we don't need to make money out of Sunderland. We're all successful in our own right. The fact that we, we think we've generated an asset is great. The fact that we think that we've built some value is great, but we don't need to maximise that value to the detriment of the football club. But what we have got to do is recognise that if Juan wants to, you know, and those conversations are ongoing, then it might just be that Juan gets more involved. But on the basis that things aren't certain yet, and you've got to bear in mind that if I'm going to say to Juan in, 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 the, in the simplest terms, can we have a bit more finance and firepower, please? He might turn around and say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But, you know, I, I want a bit more of the club's due. What's it worth? Now, if I say to him, all right, it's worth X, he's going to say to me, well, you know, how, how do we know that's right? So, I, you know, what's the market saying? So, you know, I've got, we've got to get a market feel of where we are. So that you know, Juanin would would invest more on a on a fair and equitable basis if that's what he wants to do. So the options we have are those: raise finance off the stuff that we've got, maybe throw in a, a bit more with the fans on in the academy or something like that to try and create a model around that that could generate us a few more million. Go out to somebody else, talk to Juan, and we're doing all those. And I think one of those, if we get promoted, I would like to think should happen this summer. Right. Because I think what we want to do is we don't want to lose momentum. We want to go up. And just like I said, you know, juggling and being smart this summer is important. The next thing will be if we manage to do stage one and stabilise the club and stage two, get the team right and get promoted. Stage three becomes how do we make sure we've got the right model? Now, we might be right as we are, but my gut instinct says it would be sensible to try and get ourselves, uh, you know, an extra five or ten million pounds and really give ourselves the best possible chance. And that could mean any one of those options. And I have got to choose because fundamentally it, it is me. You know, I'm looking after the club for everybody and I've got to make the right choice for the football club. The best news on that 
is that I am not sat here thinking to myself, I've generated an asset and I can cash in for top dollar at the detriment of the football club. I could do that because I've had people, and that's good news as well in lots of ways, I've had approaches from the football club where, where people want this because this is one of the most attractive football clubs in the world to buy. The fan base, the passion, the history. You can create a premiership brand here that is great. You know, I read in the paper that the, the Qatari guys, I don't know if it's true, we've not spoken to them, but they own PSG and you look at them, what they've done there and they're interested in looking at, and, and I've seen that some of the fans have raised it, you know, Forest or QPR or this and the other. Now, if I'm sat here trying to raise it and they picked up the phone and said, we want to do a, a, a Man City and take Sunderland to the next level and go boom, it wouldn't be fair of me to hold it because I like it and I do love it. Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy the experience and Wembley and, and, and the football and, and coming in and, and people say nice things, you're bound to like that. I'm also aware it could change <laughs> a heartbeat, but it feels great. But if there are people in the wings that suddenly knock on the door and say that, then that might be a game changer because I, I think if, if you sat there and said someone was going to do that, fine. Now we haven't had that. We've had approaches from people that I don't think at this stage, some of them, are going to do it any better, uh, any different, in fact, might penny pinch more or whatever it is. Um, if you say I'm a penny pincher, I'm tight, but I'm trying to get value for money. So I don't think I don't think I've passed up a, an opportunity for Sunderland. No, and it's my responsibility to make sure in the summer I choose the right option. And there are people talking to us, or you know, all these reports in the Sun about so and so and so. So they're, they're all wider than mark. We're doing it as sensibly as we can with the right sort of people as quietly as we can. And I say it could be Juan, it could be somebody else, it might be no one. But this summer, if we go to the championship, I have got to make the right judgment call for the club to get us in the stage where we are competing championship club that can get back to the Premier League that still give us those values that we've set out this season. That we don't suddenly do that and become a a football club that doesn't connect with his fans. Mm-hmm. And that's... You know, quite openly and honestly, I've got to do that over the next couple of months and and, and and get that right. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking of decisions to make on behalf of the club, financially thinking along, still thinking along those lines, yeah. one thing that's been spoken about quite a lot is renaming the stadium. I mean, yeah. you hinted at that, you sort of like alluded to that there being a yeah. possibility of generating revenue is to perhaps loan the name out to a brand in order to generate revenue by having the name Stadium of Light changed to something along the lines of the something stadium whatever whatever a potential buyer may choose the name to be how seriously are you taking those considerations yeah i I think the stadium naming is an opportunity where we we've been in conversations uh with people on that and and i think you know i'm like a football fan in that you know as a board we have a responsibility and if and if the revenue's good then i think my gut instinct says that we should do it but again, there are certain brands you won't want attached. And, no. and and the other thing with it is you want it to try and sound right. So you don't want to sell your soul for the wrong amount of money and, and have a and have a name that as a football fan is embarrassing. So I think we need the right type of brand and opportunity so that the value is right. And again, you know, I I saw in the in the sum, you know, it said that we were talking to a betting firm. As far as I know, um, I'm not directly involved in that. Obviously, the numbers come to me and, and you know, they say we've we've got this offer. I've never come across my desk as a betting firm come 
for for the stadium of light name mm-hmm. of us. I don't I don't think for once I don't think any betting company has, has shown an interest. And we and we would have a moral dilemma there because we would have a dilemma there in the sense that if the fans don't want a, a betting name associated with the stadium, and the offer was really good, it would give us a decision to make. Yeah, but we haven't got that decision to make. That the people we're talking to, I don't think are are in that industry and again i think if you keep stadium of light in the name you know you you don't want like a 15 word <laughs> stadium <laughs> no 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 so it's just got to have a balance and what I, the only thing that i've said is that carry on with the negotiations guys and when it comes to the critical stage check with the fan groups and just get the feedback and then we'll see what the groundswell of opinion is and i think it's one of those things if 95 percent of the fans say not a chance we don't want it we're selling our soul, duh, 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 and the money's not fantastic, then you go, no, I won't do it. And then the other end of the spectrum is that nobody really minds and the money's really good and you think, well, let's do it. And it's going to probably be somewhere between the two. 75% of the fans may say, yeah, it's fine, and but we might not like the name or mm. whatever it is. But I think it's an asset that we should explore and we've got to try and get maximum value from it. And I think also we've got to bear in mind the groundswell of opinion of the fans and take into account what they may or may not want the stadium called. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're talking about it, but I don't think we'd sign a contract without, you know, talking Lee to the fans. with group. the fans first. Yeah. Well, I, well, I don't think we will. I know we won't. No. I know we won't. Yeah. So one of the thing then, I think we're more or less coming to the end here, Stuart, but one of the questions we have is that as well as the stadium, I think a lot of fans would like to know quite a bit about how the team will look aesthetically next season. Thinking about perhaps kit sponsors, kit manufacturers. There's even been some questions asking if they'll keep the badge or not. Right. I don't know if you can enlighten us on well, that. Well, I think I think we'll keep. I think we'll keep the badge. I mean, changing the badge is quite expensive, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, we could, we could sign a striker for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I might be wrong here. I mean, Charlie d- does more of the fans stuff than I. You know, I do some of the, the 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 fans chats, but I think he talks to the the fans groups more than me. But I don't think there's a huge swell to change the badge it's one of those things if you ask people a question some people want the fans moved down some people want them left where they are some mm. people want to change the badge some people don't well if we change the badge it's going to upset half the fans probably and, and not the other so why spend a few hundred thousand pounds changing it so I don't think we'll change the badge I don't think that'll happen what was the other part of the question sorry oh, the other part was um, sorry kit manufacturers right and, and on the sponsors. Kit, this is the last year of the Adidas deal and the kit was yep. was chosen so what we're doing now we're talking to half a dozen kit sponsors who've expressed an interest now and the good news is there's a big desire from some of these people that the bigger desire than than there's been for quite some time to be our kit provider i love hummel um yeah i i I can see that there's a there's a a view of that i think in the adidas deal i think and and i might be wrong but somebody mentioned to me off the cuff that adidas have a right to match our best offer so it may end up being Adidas on the basis that they do that. Mm-hmm. But I think we're in negotiations now and conversations with the kit providers and we will sign a deal over the next few weeks, I would imagine, when all the tendering comes in and the, and, the, and the bartering and then we'll decide on who it is mm-hmm. and then we'll obviously go on to kit design. Now, my view of it is the kit provider, w- the club will choose because... It's a commercial deal, mm-hmm. and we need to get the best commercial rate. The kit design, I think the fans should choose. So I, I would throw that out there. That's that's my personal view. We'll have to discuss it at board level because we haven't. But I can't see that I'm better qualified than 30,000 mm-hmm. Mackhams to decide what our kit should be. 
And so, you know, I, I don't see why we can't throw out four or five different kit designs and say, choose one, guys. And it's quite a nice thing to do and it's quite yeah. interactive. And again, a bit like the seats, it doesn't cost you anything to involve the fans. So you should. It's their team. They buy their shirts. So that they Absolutely. should have more input on it than, than anybody else. So I think what will happen is we'll negotiate. We'll then say, this is the kit provider for whatever the length of the deal is. And then I would hope that every year we can we can let the fans choose what the kit should be out of a mm-hmm. selection. Yeah. I think that would be a good a good way of perhaps resolving the uh, the, the whole Marmite fiasco with the back panel. I know, cause I know some people have warmed to it. Some want the stripes back on the back as soon as possible. I think that would be a very good way of... Well, I'd have the, the stripes on the back, but again, mm. it's a personal view. Yeah. You know, I changed the music once in the in the stadium. It was my personal view, and it was a disaster. <laughs> um, you know, and, 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 and you got to listen. And I think in lots of ways, if it goes out to the fans and they decide, then in some ways it's easier for us. We can go, well, you chose it. Yeah. Whereas um, if we choose it, some people will like it, and then the ones that don't like it, you know, come and, come and bend my ear, and you think, well... Um, it's a lot easier to say, well, you chose mm-hmm. it, guys. Yeah, there's something behind that, isn't there? Coming to the end of this interview now, Stuart, so just one final question. Yeah. And it's a one I am very interested in hearing. <laughs> now, the halftime challenge has right. gone down. You know where this is going. Yeah. It's gone down very well this season following its introduction. I think like, um, like it's like a genuine highlight of the match experience yeah. watching it. Yeah, yeah. Will you and Charlie do on the end well, of the season? Um, on I've the last been having physio for the last four weeks. Um. <laughs> On on my on my leg to, because I've got an old footballing injury, so I've been trying to get that right. And I've played football against Charlie a couple of times, and I think we have a healthy rivalry where mint we wouldn't want to lose to each other. Um, and if Charlie is up for it, I, I'm up for it. But it won't be. It might be a little bit different because there won't be any rules. It will just be. Um, scoring like a, at all costs an absolute skirmish yeah um, brilliant I might I might need a bit of a head start or whatever it is but it will be um, it will be no holes mm. barred that's for sure I cannot cannot let Charlie beat me if we're going to do it but, will Charlie uh, race around with a pint in his hand he, he won't he, oh, I don't care what he does it, it's, <laughs> it's all about winning isn't it mm. um, I'll never hear the end of it um, I mean we played a five-a-side game for the foundation oh yeah a, a few weeks ago and um, Charlie tackled some lad and he ran he ran down the, the wing on the wall and, you know, I'm on the same team as him, but I, I couldn't help myself but lift my leg um, and try and um, knock him over. Um, so it will just be a kill or be killed fiasco on that? Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I can't say I haven't dreamt of, of, of that because it'd, be mm. it'd be quite good, but of course... I'm You must have heard it before, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, 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 um, if the fans want us to do it, then um, uh, I, I'm up for it. Oh, I can speak um, on behalf of the fans. I'd imagine yeah. they would most definitely want to see that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, if Charlie says yes, unless he's too scared, then, oh, well, then, I'll, yeah, then yeah. I'm up for it. Well, that's, that's yeah. the gauntlet thrown down now. Yeah, there, the Stuart, little Rottweiler yeah. will get him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Stuart. It's been yeah, an absolute pleasure. pleasure. No, yeah. good. Yeah, so thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in and listened to us. As always, we appreciate your your love and support of the rapport. And thank you as well to the University of Sunderland for providing us with their space as well in the David Golden Media Centre. So yeah, thank you very much and good night. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, 
golf, almost any sport, 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.